Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Dr. Carl Grodd. I'm one of your hosts, Jameson. Consider me your resident enthusiast. And today I'm joined by... Finn, and I am serving as the position of resident theologian. Yes, he gets older and dustier as he goes by. Pretty soon I'll have to file him away in some ancient catacomb, and we'll have to just reflect on his writings until time immemorial. Just put some mothballs so the, you know, they don't eat the pages. Right. Does that mean I should start like collecting your napkins? Because if you become become famous and I, you know, we start giving guided tours of your the Bob came napkin sold for millions, so probably. There we go. Like people tour C.S. Lewis's house, so I'm just gonna start collecting memorabilia and sell it. Like it's Elvis Presley or the theologian Ben Bernstein. You stay away from my teapot. You stay away from my teapot. Welcome to Graceland. Hey, that would be a great name for your uh, home attraction. Would be Graceland. Graceland. What? You know what? That sounds familiar for some reason. It's Elvis. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying that as a theologian. Anyways, I, we're I gonna wait. take Graceland back. We're gonna take. We're putting the grace back in land. Not. It's not just for Elvis anymore. We're not here to talk about Elvis, although that could be a topic uh, another day. Today, we're here to discuss expansions to your hobby. Too much or not enough. Yeah. How much can you purchase? in an area of which you enjoy before it becomes excess and you actually stop enjoying it. In the board game world, you might talk about this as expansions. In the movie world, we might talk about this as prequels or sequels. You know, in the literature world, you might have uh, numbered volumes, you know, how many series or cycles, you know, all that that goes into expanding kind of the mythos. But eventually, one has to wonder how much is too much. But as usual, before we get there, I'd like to do something completely different. Okay. So Ben, I'll start this week. This is something where we ask each other an unprepared question. And I know you have strong feelings on this oh, because you constantly lecture me about board games. But I am curious, <laughs> in the world of movies, uh -oh. are you more excited for a prequel sequel or something of original content? Hmm. And why, I should That's say. That's so good. Well, okay. I feel like there's generally more hype for a prequel sequel because it's established IP, right? Mm -hmm. But it often leads to disappointment. Right, because so you're talking about expectations. The expectations get so high. Even for me, like, I might discover an original movie that's super awesome a year after it came out, right? And be like, this is my favorite movie. So I would say in general, original content, I would always prefer somebody taking a new pass at something as long as they do it well. You know, like something that is new and original, and you're being like, wow, this hasn't been done before. That's what I'd be more excited about. Interesting. Yeah, it's hard because we, you know, we live in a day and age of like the Marvel Universe, which this could be its own its own episode, but they had both sequels for uh, some of their individual like superhero storylines, but also it was kind of like new IP with the same characters over yeah. 20 films. So I thought they did an interesting thing of, you know, there's like Ant-Man, Ant-Man 2, but then there's also Civil War. There's also yeah, different Avengers all movies. It all kind of plugs in. So it seems like people are starting to stretch that line because that I, I like your reflection because it is hard because it's like the hype is on here, but then on the other side, it's almost if the hype is too high, then you can't appreciate it as much as you just. I found this movie on Netflix, which came out of the Sundance Movie Music Festival or Movie Festival, and now it's wow, this yeah. is really good. Sequels budgets are always bigger, and the ratings are usually lower. Well, and sometimes they can't get the same director to come back. I mean, it's then you start dealing with like Clash of Vision, which we did a whole podcast on when we talked about 
what happens when you don't have a unified vision for, let's say, the Star Wars uh, trilogy? So, all right. Thanks for answering my question. So what do you have for me for today? Sure. So my question is, if you could add one word to the official English dictionary, what would it be? I'm going to add a word to the, well. Yeah, canonize a word. Pretty uh, slang. I, that is a great question for me because I am the guy that says that you know, language is just an artificial placeholder for meaning. So, so make up one then. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good podcast idea is the philosophy of language and how it's just meaningless sounds. Man, I think I'm going to feel stumped. I don't know. What is a word? Ooh, he's stumped. Maybe I'll go with a good, like, kerplump. <laughs> it sounds good off the tongue. I mean, it, it kind of has, it feels like a definition, but it's more like a sound. But I would love for it to have, I would love for a kerplump. To have yeah. an official what's, what's the definition of that? To come up with a definition as well? How no, no, is, no, you don't. I would say a sound yeah. that something, <laughs> I mean, something makes or, a or I, Or I would like it to be something that's really obscure, like kerplump refers to a old British official that used to preside over this specific thing and some, uh -huh. you know, like one of those great words where you're like, well, how does it, like, I don't know, but it just, it was some official, so now we gotta use it. You're the kerplump of this town. There's, yeah, there's no historical background, but the dictionary says it. So you're making what, up false history. What That's do you fine. love That's for, uh, for someone to be running? You're like, Dr. Ben Burnside's running in this town for the position of kerplump. <laughs> okay, that's all I got. Nice. Well, that was a nice warm up. I appreciate sure. that. You really threw me for a loop there. Uh, <laughs> kerplump. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on a t shirt now. As I said, today's episode is about expansions and specifically expansions to our hobbies. And as I said, this will be a little different depending on your hobby. So, you know, for a placeholder in the world of board games, we would call this expansions. Uh, in movies, we would call this sequels or prequels. As I said, in literature, you talk about the continuations of cycles or series. Uh, and uh, for a lot of you, if you play something like Magic the Gathering, obviously they have whole packs of cards that come out in, in different box sets that you can buy. Uh, and I think for a lot of us, even if we do something like hunting or fishing, or we have some kind of outdoor activity, a lot of my friends buy what I would call a lot of expansions to their hobby. You know, they're- Yeah, all can, hobbies are expensive. Yes, all hobbies are expensive. And in fact, uh, I forget, uh, one of my friends had looked this up, but someone did a research study on like, what's the good, what's the percentage line you should spend on hobbies to like still be able to enjoy. And I forget the, the numbers and obviously it's an artificial not artificial, but kind of a slightly arbitrary opinion by an economist, but essentially saying like this certain percentage of your income is what you should spend on your hobbies. If you go over it, what you're probably doing is kind of being a little overindulgent. And I was amazed because for the average person, I think it's like you spend two or $3,000 a year mm -hmm. on one of your hobbies. And what's crazy about your hobby is unlike other purchases, like if I came up to you and said, hey, I need to buy a new television or I need to buy X or I need to buy this thing, it's three grand. Or you'd be like, whoa can't spend three grand on that right now. That doesn't make any sense. Let me go get the discount bin. Let me find what you, what toaster yeah. oven do you want? I'm sorry, you can't just grill your toast over an open flame. What is the, what is the burner for in your stove? When it comes to a hobby though, like, yeah. two things happen. One, you're more likely to make larger purchases because you're already, you've already, uh, from a psychological standpoint, I think the way the study says, you've already kind of proven to yourself that you need it because you're already invested in it. So it's, you, oh, make, you yeah. make it a passive truth. like. You know, Ben uh, Mano's, right, knows about Burnside. He went through a stage where he really enjoyed designing and building his own keyboards. When you get to that point where you're soldering keyboards in your kitchen, if something comes up for sale for keyboards, 
you've already convinced yourself, you know, you're already- This open. is my thing. That's right. And then the other thing too is, even if you're not making a large purchase, like Ben's not going out in that example and saying, I'm gonna buy this gold-plated keyboard or 10, you know, whatever it is. But what, what will probably happen is he'll see micro sales. And micro sales is where it gets people a lot, like you'll be on eBay and be like, these custom keys. Yeah. Or for me, you'll be like, this board game's on sale. Or I'll say something like I just, I, I boldly said, I'm not gonna buy any more games for October. Mm. And all of a sudden a sale comes up on something like Manager Market or Cool Stuff Inc. And I'm like, well, now I'm just leaving money. I'm mean, wasting money if I don't, uh. if I don't buy it. And so there's this kind of this kind of this push and pull. <laughs> yeah. But the issue we have, if we don't kind of knowledge this in the beginning, is if we expand too much, there's going to be a line for all of us. So obviously, we all have means. So it's it's both a question of how much can you afford, but I think it's also a question of your time. How much yeah. time can you really allot? Because there's nothing worse than opening up a closet and looking at all the unopened stuff you've bought. You know. For, uh, for my birthday, Burnside was very kind and agreed to help me get an organizer for a game I've always wanted to play. And it's literally sat in my closet for almost three years because every time I've looked at it, I don't want to take it out and organize it. Right. I don't want to. And so now he's going to help me with the organizer, I'll actually play it. But, you know, one of those games is fine. If you have 20 of those games, or if you like have. The, it's called the Shelf of Shame. Yeah, the Shelf of Shame. Yeah. And so maybe a lot of us have the Garage of Shame, the Closet of Shame, the Attic of Shame. And then the other, the other crazy part, which will happen is the longer you do this, you will literally forget that you even have these things that you own. So you'll go back in and be like, oh yeah, two years ago, I did spend a thousand dollars on this that said it was so important. And that's the other hard part is like, now that it's a sunk cost. Sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, we're, we're much more likely to hold on to it. And then yeah. we're also much more likely to use it to generate sales going forward. So that's... It's a lot of kind of like pseudo psychological. Yeah. I didn't know analysis. this was such a heavy emotional and convicting guilt shaming podcast. I'm really here to confront <laughs> Burnside about his hobbies. This um, is an intervention. This is an intervention, and I knew that if I wasn't live and he couldn't get away, that he can't turtle up right now. He's literally being recorded. So <laughs> I want to hide all my stuff real make, fast. Make direct eye contact with Ben. So I thought what we could do to tackle this is I've set up the prompt a little bit, talked about kind of how this affects. And then I thought you and I could go and just pick a couple things, a couple of our hobbies to talk about what we enjoy about them. Yeah. And then maybe share a little bit of times maybe where we've been a little overindulgent and we haven't, like it's been too much. Yeah. Or, and then maybe explain what, have you ever had seasons where it maybe hasn't been enough? And so we could feel comfortable to expand. Cause this is all about balance. Balance. Right. And so Ben, I've done a lot of the initial talking. I'd love to hear one of the it, things that you've kind of reflected on one of your hobbies or outlets. Sure. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge that not everyone is a hobby person. Um, as far as like finding that one area where you just like want to spend time and enjoyment, you might do a lot of normal things or don't, or maybe you don't think of yourself as having a hobby. Mm -hmm. But for those of us that do, it's kind of that area where you get refreshed and kind of pour passion into it brings some, some sort of enjoyment and for some people that's going and playing golf some people that's like you said going hunting um, for us it's sitting inside and playing board games um, for other people it's reading you know there's our quilting there's a million hobbies and I'm a big advocate of hobbies I think that um, especially in today's world we uh, uh, everything's so stressful right. and especially if you have a really busy life and you have kids and everything else you can just push yourself and continuously drain yourself. And for me, a hobby is me intentionally trying to fill myself back up 
so you can be more healthy and have more energy for things. Now, I don't have kids, so I don't want to pass any judgment because <laughs> I obviously have time to do that. But anyway, I say all that to say I love hobbies. Now, let's get to the, the main topic we're talking about. My main issue is I have a lot of hobbies, probably too many hobbies, and I get really into one for like six months to a year. This is something I think you and I have so much in common. <laughs> yeah, we, we are collectors of hobbies. So, uh, a uh, collectors of hobbies. Oh God. Yeah, I have different rooms in my house. So, I would say like four or five years ago, I got into collecting vintage video games, and I would, and I'm, and the hobby was going to all the stores I could find and seeing what rare or weird thing that they have, and I filled up a bookshelf of them, and eventually I didn't stop doing that because I ran out of storage room, and then I realized these are pretty boxes, and they just sit on my shelf. I, most of the games I've played, or or I can beat them relatively quickly, and so like they offer limited enjoyment other than just being there. I don't really regret doing it, but at a certain point, the investment stopped Coming. Yeah, it sounds almost like the video game part of it turns more into almost like a piece of artwork. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's for its artistic value, or and it's, or it's commemorative for collective value. But. Yeah, same thing with comic books, really. And so, like, I, there's never a time where I'm going to say that was a bad hobby and sell them all. I might buy some in the future, but right now, that's not my obsession. I'm not spending every day on eBay because I'm a deep dive researcher, right. <laughs> as I know you are as well. Um, so you said keyboards. You know, I got into keyboards. Uh, and I know that that's not a hobby that's easily explainable even to the super nerdy. But let me tell you, there's a whole rabbit hole if you want to go down. Just go on Reddit and type in. For the record, I'm gonna, I don't often want to interrupt Ben, but I have to tell you the story. Okay. So I was in College Station at the time, and we, um, you had moved to Cyprus when you started this, right? right? Yeah. So, we're, we're, so he used to be in Beaumont, so we had to coordinate a little bit more about how to see each other. So he's in Cyprus. We're much closer than the college station. I'm going to come hang out. And he told me a couple weeks in advance, like, by the way, I've kind of started looking at the keyboards and I've been looking at them. I'm like, oh, that's neat. And in my mind, I'm thinking... Musical keyboards? Yeah, or no, or just like keyboards for the computer. I don't, I didn't know what that meant. Maybe he was buying a couple because he was... You've always been big on like building and designing your own equipment. I didn't know if you were looking yeah. for it. So I showed up to his house and his kitchen table is completely covered in a soldering kit and he's already making his own keyboards so when he says deep dive let's not undersell the level of deep dive when i went from i was taking it as passing curiosity when i showed up it was we were in we it, we're it, if he had in. told me he'd open up his own etsy business there wouldn't have been evidence on display that he was now selling keyboards out of his kitchen no i very much operate on the thing don't make money from your hobby or else you'll hate your hobby right but anyway so yes i got into that but then i you know got to the point where i had made a lot and like, as you say like sales are coming up Oh, this is only going to be available for one time and in that area of the hobby you sign up to buy something and you get it 18 months later yeah. so I had this like golly so when I chose when I said you know what I have enough keyboards no one needs as many keyboards I have three computers I only need really three keyboards but anyway I stopped the hobby but I still kept getting crap in the mail that I had ordered <laughs> and still love keyboards never am not gonna love keyboards um, but yeah, so recently, it's been board games, and uh, there is an excess. When you have too many board games, you only have so much time in the world to play board games, especially with other people. Um, so what I've done is taken a page from you of going through my collection and saying, I love this game, but I would choose a different game over it. Mm -hmm. So I recently shipped, packed up a box and shipped a whole bunch of them away to make some room. So I'm not the poster child for 
uh, minimalism or not having a bunch of stuff. I do have many collections, and but right now I'm trying to thin out them all um, to do it. And right now I'm into board games, and maybe you know I'll I'll be go. I always go in and out of video games. I never play them too long. But yeah, with that constant. I feel like video games isn't fair because, for me at least, maybe it's the same way for you. It's not so much that we're in out of video games as much as it, sometimes a great game comes along. Like when yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild comes along, yeah, we're going to find a way to play that. Yeah. Which is different than me saying, I'm not going to get invested in the whole new Nintendo cycle and play every game that comes out. Right, yeah. Whenever I have a backlog of games that I want to play that I've bought that I don't have time for. But yeah. that's a huge sunk cost. And whenever you're in it, whenever you start playing and you start guilting yourself and saying, I need to dump the 20 hours to finish this game so I can start this game. It becomes, for me... It becomes work, it becomes stressful. So I just have to be like, video games are fun, and if I play one, I play it, and if I don't, that's fine. Yeah. You, know, I mean, you just have to let go. Right, it's not even this work, it's like it's volunteer work. You're not even getting paid for this. No, so it's just for your own thing. Yeah, I, I will force myself to take a Saturday to finish this story to get, yeah, and then. And I'm not even into competitive gaming anymore, but that's a huge sunk cost. So maybe, and, and not that you have to necessarily be clarified against some of the parameters I talked about, but I'm just, maybe for our listeners to, to listen to, to what you just shared, it sounds like you've had seasons where you've been like, this is too much. And it sounds like with board gaming, you're kind of experiencing, okay, I like this hobby. I want to, I want to enjoy it. So I'm, I, in some ways, too, I think gardening is maybe one of the ultimate hobbies that a lot of people listening might be into. A lot of people are into gardening, but it's, it's the whole pruning, right? You cannot, you can't just, pruning, keep plant, yeah. can't just keep planting stuff in your bed. You eventually have to trim stuff back. You have to make room. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. Like, if your bookshelf is literally your flower bed, you have created space to then enjoy the games as opposed to, you know, one of the reasons I had to say I wasn't going to buy games in October is I have a giant stack. They won't even fit on my shelves in my office. Like... Okay, well, I have a, it's, it's like looking at your garden full of weeds. This has to change before I can go back to enjoy, yeah. enjoying gardening. So thanks. And I, I do appreciate um, your vulnerability in saying that you're a collector of hobbies because that's something that you and I always do. We'll be able, you know, I, I remember when you came over to my house once and we were into uh, Mondo screen printing for a while, into movie posters, and you showed me one by Vincent, uh, Dur- or not Vincent, Lorraine Duro. Mm-hmm. I about to say. Vincent is a board game artist. I was going, I was combining two meetings. He showed me this amazing um, set that he did over Hitchcock films. Yeah. I think you ended up getting the Vertigo one and I had the Psycho one right. uh, in my office at church. And I mean, talk about a deep dive. I learned everything about screen printing. I studied up on Mondo. It got me really into the Alamo Draft House. Got me back in, I mean, it was a months of just me reading and studying. I got into the difference between like digital creation um, yeah, like something like Phantom City and their really awesome Batman animated series print, you know, all of this stuff. That was off of one conversation with you. So you got to be careful when someone visits your house, like, hey, by the way. If you're that kind of person, yeah. Right. And so Ben and I were almost, um, I, I don't want to use this word too aggressively. Uh, I was going to say addicts, but that, that may have a, it's a pretty serious connotation. I'm just saying that we, can, we have an addictive personality that I feel like the two of us together sometimes we each other kind of be like, Ben, I'm going to show you something. I don't want you to do anything with it, all right? <laughs> Wait a week. This is just for sharing. That's right. This is I'm just... an expert now. <laughs> and even, even in board gaming, we've talked about how holding each other accountable to trying not to buy the games that we own unless it's a game that we're going to regularly play about the other person. So, you know, like Grand Austria Hotel is becoming one of my favorite games. I technically should have waited to play your copy before I bought one, but I've been waiting on the fence to get it. And then Ben got it and I, and I jumped in. <laughs> 
So this is maybe a good segue for me. I'll talk about two things um, that are very similar. I went into a huge deep dive. I, I, uh, I can say I avoided the collective video game uh, phase with you had one. I did. I got my favorite game. My sec- Well, one of my favorite, favorite games. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have both of my favorite games from the Super Nintendo, which is Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG. I just have one that's CIB, complete in box. So, okay, keep going. Anyways, the point is, <laughs> they're in my closet. I do look at them from time to time because that's where collective video games should go is in your closet because it keeps the light off of them. But I did get really into comic books, especially uh, Stan Lee, 1960s. Pretty much anything before the death of uh, Gwen Stacy, which is kind of the shift and some of that early Jack Kirby art. Not that he kept being a prolific artist, but he definitely was the focus of most Marvel comics up to a certain point. Him and um, John Romita, who did, Romita he, who did uh, Spider-Man, probably the most iconic Spider-Man art. And so I have uh, many, many, many comics that are in uh, Smithsonian archival sleeves and shells. Uh, you may not believe this, there are arguments over who is the best Raider of comic books. You can get into arguments over whether or not... Because when we love something, we put it into a plastic shell that cannot be opened. Anywho, the point is, um, <laughs> one of the things that I wrestled with is I just, I kept finding deals and I kept getting invested and this was early in my marriage and so I had a lot more disposable income and so I could invest in it. And one thing I didn't realize is I, my wife and I was always had this kind of thing, if we get a little extra money, you know, half of it goes towards kind of like the family budget. So we need to do a project in the backyard, pay a few extra bills, but the other half goes to you. It's, it's like kind of like play money. I've told you this before, like do something you wouldn't normally do. Well, all of that money went into collectible comic books. So suddenly I found myself with a pretty aggressively large collection. Right. And, and after a certain point, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these boxes of Stare art? at your pretties. Yeah, and it was, it, it, I just remember that distinct feeling of walking to the house in College Station and opening up my closet and just feeling almost despair because I'm like, this is so much money that I've sunk. Yeah. And what's the point? And I don't say that to in any way diminish collectible comics. I love them. I keep up with it. I still have my subscription that lets me track markets and I look at it, but that is now the extent of my hobby. Yeah. The, the little uh, GPA analysis description that we share, that is how much I spend on collectible comics these days, just because I like to read up on the reports and yeah. stay up on it. But it was amazing how quickly you get in, right? Like you sink oh, so yeah. much money. And the other hard thing too is with comics, I made so many mistakes just on pricing and what you purchase. That's the biggest thing I would say to anyone. If you get into a hobby, don't assume because what someone's selling something for is what you have to buy it for. But also, don't look for the cheapest thing because often you get what you pay for. So it's that hard line of like knowing what something should be priced at. And then if it's a little bit more, am I willing to make that splurge to have it? And then it's also about, you know, when do you get out? So for us, a lot of our comic books um, were really taken off in value. Like we couldn't even buy some of the ones that we own now because 10 years ago, you gotta remember we got into of all the things we've ever done, we were literally like into oil before oil was discovered. Yeah, before the bu- the, bur- the I bubble. Mean, we, bubble. We, we got into um, collectible comics like right at, I think we were maybe right at the first Avengers movie. 
Yeah, it was like 20. So you were, you were starting to see a kind of, yeah, like a kind of a, well, I think we were reading 12. comic books. I'm talking about like collecting vintage. Yeah, it was like right when we got out. Right when we graduated seminary. And so we, we were at the, the beginning of that. And now you look at some of our books and they're like five times the value. And this isn't to brag or anything. It's just to say, all right, so I appreciate that. But now the hard part I have is I'm struggling to get rid of some of mine. Like you converted one of your really valuable ones into an awesome espresso machine, which I'm enjoying. This espresso machine is brought to you by the first appearance of Wolverine. Thank Cheers. you, Incredible Hulk 181. Um, this, this latte brought to you by Incredible Hulk 181. Because when you need a when you need a backup villain character, go with Wolverine. Uh, that's right, folks. Wolverine, one of the most iconic characters in all of comics, was a sidekick villain character against like the Wendigo or someone the Hulk was fighting and they and then all of a sudden they were like well who's this guy they're like okay launch but I, I kind of consider Wolverine to be the Batman of the Marvel Universe like he's in everything he is one of the most popular characters I, I'm off on a tangent here the point is so one thing I want to say is um, maybe you're listening to this and you think wow this is great advice maybe you're listening to this and saying they spent how much on who what now right now I will come to the defense and say, because recently um, I've been looking a little bit into golf and stuff. Yeah. And uh, golf is ridiculously expensive. Yes, it is. And it's the same concept. You can buy a driver that's decently used for like $150, or you can buy the brand new driver and get it fit to you for $500. Right. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I think that maybe we don't make the income to be regular golfers, but like if you're walking around with, four grand in your bag versus, you know, a hundred dollars in your bag. I don't know. It's just like, everything is expensive. And I always say it to my dad because he always says, oh, you have so many video games. How many, much money have we spent on video games? I was like, well, dad, your hobby is collecting classic cars. Yeah, your dad needs to back off. (laughs) He built a a, uh, venue in his backyard (laughs) to host venues. It's really for his antique and vintage car collection. Well, it's not, not just his. It's the whole. It's the whole Bay Town community. But what, yes, whatever. The yes. point is, your dad. <laughs> let's just say when it comes to Burnside, the apple is not far, far from the tree. When it comes right. to his father. Okay. So anyway, I'd rather spend my money piecemeal, fifty dollars at a time, rather than right. drop, you know, whatever on a boat or something. Sure. But that's just me. And we all have our things. That's a good point. And I, <laughs> I think then what we really have is you. You're gonna. I think hobbies really fall into two categories. My first one is collectibles yeah. um, like things that you get to not really be used but to be displayed in some way mm-hmm. and then you have what I call usables or just like a more active hobby so that, okay. that's where I wanted to bring up board games because I got into board games because I had a child really and what I realized is I'm also a big video gamer especially longer more involved story driven games you know RPGs whatever when you have a child you don't have 40 hours in any kind of consistent way to dedicate or at least I did in a way where I could play it to even keep up with the story. I mean, if you're playing eight hours broken up over 10 days, yeah, it it's, requires focus. Yeah. It's too hard. So, you know, a lot of video games I play or anything I can play in like an hour. So, like, you know, set match games, you know, Diablo 3, something like that. It's, like, it's a pick up and play. But board games interested me because I could play a game in an hour or two and then it'd be done. You put it away. And so I got really deep down the rabbit hole. But the, the hard part is we run into the other side is if it's an active hobby, have you purchased more than you have the capacity to even play? Yeah. And that's the hard part is if you go down any hobby route, so this is board games, for instance, movies would be another thing. Anything that requires 
your time, focus, and attention, you could toss some video games. Yeah, your time becomes more valuable than right. You can't you you can't consume everything, and it's it's it's. I kind of got to the point where like I'm almost saying no. I'm not saying why. Well, let me clarify. I'm not saying no to any board game, which means. I have all this stuff on my shelf that I'm not going to play and things would be on my shelf for so long I had gotten rid of games I'm like I'm never going to play that yeah and though I literally bought something to hold it to give it away I guess I'm pre-purchasing birthday gifts at that point so congratulations <laughs> Ben the present that you're getting a year from now is the game I bought two years ago congratulations yeah um, but Ben's like what's what's wrong with yeah, that model? I, I love but I think we have to wrestle with that right is like you have to be honest have, and this is this is a maybe a, a little tongue-in-cheek, but have, have you bitten off more than you can chew? Have you invested more than you can actually use? Because at the end of the day, then it's becoming wasteful. Mm-hmm. And and I think that in that's going to negatively impact your feeling about it. Yeah. Because you're both going to want to keep trying new things. Like if we're honest, if you're in a hobby, you're not going to be able to resist getting, like I can I cannot buy a game for a month. I don't know if I couldn't buy a game for 2021. <laughs> so if I say that, then I need to know I need to clear stuff off. Right. Well, because then you find another hobby and spend money on that. Right. <laughs> and so I guess what, what we're left with is this, this, this balancing act of, am I invested in the right way? Am I not? Can I actually use this? What do I like about it? Yeah. And I think what it really is, it's about being mindful and just appreciative of what you have, which sounds a little trite and almost like a Hallmark card, but I think it's true. Like being present with your hobby, it's almost like what I tell people in marriage counseling sometimes, just remember on your worst day, your absolute worst day, when you're fighting over where the toothbrush goes or whatever your argument is that's launched into World War III, you both wanted to be here. And that's kind of how I feel about hobbies. On my worst day, when I'm feeling overwhelmed by my closet, I have to tell myself, no one did this to you. Yeah. You made all these decisions. That's right. All of these boxes represent purchases. And so, Ben, uh, I'm curious, what do you do to kind of recenter yourself? How do you, how do you refocus? He's, this is the biggest first world problems. Oh, my gosh, yes. Done. I really hope no one, <laughs> no one dealing with the real troubles of the world. So I just, what, to answer your question, I remember that the point of doing hobbies for me is to use downtime I have to kind of disconnect and refresh myself from my day-to-day work stresses, life stresses, whatever. And so it should be life-giving, right? And if you get to the point where it's not life-giving, and like you said earlier, it feels like a job or a task, something you have to keep up with, and it's not worth it because you're literally doing it to enjoy yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, for for um, another hobby I have, since we're just laying them all out on the table, I also like to paint miniatures. And I bought a couple board games that had a bunch of miniatures because I was like, I'm going to paint these. That'd be so fun. Well, my pro- it takes a long time to do them, and I don't always feel like painting. I can't paint every day. I'm not a machine, right? right? And so, like, my cue was up into, like, the there's no way I'll finish all these for, like, two years. You know? Oh and it's not – that doesn't mean that I was dropping $1,000. Like, a, bo- a box with $40 of miniatures will take me, like, six months to paint because I do it obsessively, right? right. Anyway. The point is, I just decided, you know what? I'm never gonna do this. And so I sold the games, got my money back. And then it's like, I'm, I'm not gonna take on projects that chain me to something unless I can jump in and do it with, with joy. Because anytime it feels like, oh man, like you're beating yourself up, but I really need to paint those stormtroopers. Like my life's not gonna be great until I can get those done. 
because you're, you're assigning a task to yourself. So centering is, is basically saying, if it's not bringing me joy, I'm not going to do it. Because the point is to, well, I guess joy is a theological concept that only Christ gives us. If it's not bringing me uh, centeredness and some happiness in my life, then it's not worth doing. Oh, well, I don't need more stress. I, I'm happy I don't need to stress myself. I'm out. happy you brought up the joy and kind of biblical angle because I would say hobbies to me are a manifestation of Sabbath. Yeah. In the sense that if we think, if you look at the biblical con- concept of Sabbath, which uh, I love, one of the pastors in our area preached it was, I think, I can't remember if it was a sermon series on Ten Commandments or what he was preaching on, but he essentially said, we're against breaking all the Ten Commandments if we brag about breaking the commandment to honor the Sabbath. Like yeah. In our context, first of all, problems, American problems, we brag about Sabbath, you know, breaking Sabbath. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting how in Europe, it's, they break other commandments, but they're very big on the Sabbath. I mean, some communities, Spain, for example, have that built into the day. Like, you take a break every day, you know, they go on holidays, they have months of vacation. There's a huge aspect of that. In America, it feels like we brag about almost not having hobbies, working too much. I can't see how many people that post almost proudly how often, how much they work on vacation. Yeah. I'm not saying that you may not have to work on vacation, but I am saying that remember that the point of going on vacation is to like get away, to recover. And so hobbies to me, from a biblical perspective, you're looking at the commandments in Exodus and you know what the Israelites are called to. If you're looking at what Jesus talks about in the gospels, you need to have things in your life you do for the pleasure of doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not about to make a theological case that like I can honor and glorify God by playing board games unless I feel like God's trying to tell me that and then I will take up that gold standard. But I am saying that I don't want to take something that's for pleasure's sake, that's for the simplicity of like we're created just to enjoy the life that we've been given. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think there's a there's a community. I, I like board games because it brings people together. Yeah. But if I if I'm if I'm overindulgent, if or if I'm not keeping the right perspective, then I'm almost breaking that commandment. Yeah all over again. And I think that's a really challenging thing for all of us that we're, if we're honest, we're not very good at. Got any other thoughts from maybe scripture where you're kind of thinking, yeah, that, that, seems, to, that seems to register. Well, I think the most apt one is about the parable that Jesus tells where a guy just keeps getting food and builds a barn to hold oh, his other barn, food. Yeah. So it's just like, if you ever find yourself building another barn yes. to hold your stuff, maybe. Did you, hear that? Did you hear that Artie Burnside? If you filmed yourself building a wedding venue in your backyard to hold your cars. <laughs> I'm hey, just kidding. He's worked his whole life, and if he wants to retire, no, that, that's no, what he gets no, to do. No, no, but no. I've been, for, it, I totally agree with Burnside. I'm really just being funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should not. I'm not trying to shade. That is totally correct. But, but yeah, the, that you're, none of this stuff is going with us, you know. Right. So we don't need to to tie any of our self-worth to that. I feel like I don't do that. Maybe I do in some respect, but yeah, there's there's definitely danger in it. But I do think that, like you said, like Sabbath is about giving yourself, taking moments to give yourself a new life, mm-hmm. to disconnect and, and unplug. And we're not good at that. And and I don't care if for us, it's sitting inside playing board games. For, for you, it might be going out in the yard and working, you know? That's, Leah likes to do that and you know sure I know that, that that's anathema to me but I know that some people it's completely anathema to me but whatever it is what 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 brings you joy and rest probably tortures another person like sure. Sabbath is not unilateral and never will be yeah and maybe the best summation of this which is a good focal point in this whole conversation is Jesus' reflection that you know man was not created for the Sabbath the Sabbath was created for man mm. the idea that Sabbath is not a punishment 
it's not, a, it's not like a, a, a lawful obligation that you're supposed to fall under. It's a gift to remember, in my mind, that you are not God. Yeah. Um, and for, if you're slightly less religious, that you're not in control of the universe. And that it's okay for you to take time and moments just to be. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about refocusing that you're not God, essentially, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. And for us, that obviously has a specific context. And that's how I focus on my hobbies. When I'm gaming with you, like on a Friday, you know, and that's a contained space. Am I able to leave that and then go back to my family? You know, like, does it, yeah. does it have an actual moment of enjoyment or is it filled with anxiety? Because like, well, we don't get to do these five games. I got five more on my shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, so in all of this, I think what we're saying is balance. Don't collect so much that you drive yourself crazy. Right. But also whatever it is that brings you, you know, that Sabbath moment, that recharging, whatever it is, you know, do it. And if you don't have one, maybe get one. I don't right. know. But balance. Hobbies are cool, and I would say just take, much like value meals, buy one at a time. If you buy. <laughs> All right. So uh, I appreciate you joining us in a conversation on uh, too much and not enough as it pertains to our hobbies and our interests. Uh, one of the things we do at the very end is to talk about something exciting that's uh, that we're interested in, that we've done, that we're looking forward to, that's going on currently. Uh, I've tried to to break down the temporal nature of this is the feedback I've gotten from my co-host. So, uh, Ben, what is something that you are ex- are kind of excited about? Sure. So last time we podcasted, you talked about Board Game Co. Mm-hmm. And I actually did that. I took your advice and I did it. And I, and I bubble wrapped up nine different games, oh, put wow. them into a giant shipping box, uh, dealt with FedEx and all the fun that comes with that. And uh, ship them off, and now I have holes in my shelf. And it nice. feels it feels good. Did you use their discount? I did use their discount because I mean this is really in the weeds, but I sent a game before without a discount. It was fifteen dollars for one game, and I paid like twenty something dollars for yeah. a twenty-two it's, pound box. So. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. I could go on. We could do a whole tangential podcast on why I don't understand the shipping, shipping and tr- well, just. There needs to be a better way to trade. Board Game Co. is an awesome way to trade. You should totally use them. I'm talking about BGG market in general. It's just, oh, yeah. It's $15 shipping flat. Oh, it's so expensive. That being said, I want to celebrate that. Congratulations. You got your hobbies under control. For now. So proud of you. For now. Uh, what am I excited about? Well, I'm going to go to the athletic side and just say, as terrible as it is, and as much as I hope everyone is safe, I'm very happy that college football is back. Uh, uh, you may, that may be surprising to some of you who are listening to this. I'm a big sports fan as well, uh, college football and college what kind sports. Of sports ball is that? Sports ball. It's the one where you no, play I... it. It's the opposite of, of the way the Europeans play. It's the other kind of football. Um, not soccer. But it's just fun. You know, the Aggies have already been crushed by Alabama, so it's a great season already. Things just feel normal. When, yeah, when, when, when AM that our first game just get out of the way? When AM gets absolutely blown out by someone, it just means that fall and cool weather is here. So... All that being said, we're really thankful you came and joined us today on this podcast. We really enjoy getting a chance to talk about our hobbies, our interests, and maybe offer up a reflection on how all of us can engage uh, in a better, more life-giving way with the things that we really love and appreciate. As always, I've been Jameson. And I'm Ben. Goodbye.